suppose we can talk. I don't see why not. We like talking. Do we? We don't like being lied to. Well, you have to understand it's 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 easy to I'm I'm inclined to lie to people when um those who who walk away with awareness of what are, is going on explode my front door. Well, see, we don't think we really do understand what's going on. I mean, you drugged us. That's what's going on. I didn't. It is a natural pollen. I did not drug. It's a drug. You drugged us. All right. Let's start from the top. Hi, my name is Glorina. I am trying to survive. And you are? I'm Mako. I'm Jessamine. Corshin. All right. And you are here with Don, which makes me imagine that you are. And Don just like, yes, we are going to take you in because you are making on you because you are selling food that has clearly not been approved through the official channels. (sighs) Yes. So I don't. (laughs) <laughs> I don't necessarily see why that would be a, a reason to uh, blow up my door. Okay, well. It's hard to get a handle on this one once he's uh, kind of been revved up. I, I, I don't take kindly to being manipulated. And we don't take kindly to being hunted. Now, could you please explain what is what is going on here? It seems as though you are posing a danger to those in charge. Those in charge? <laughs> Who possibly in charge would we have to worry about? We go on our own. We've we've stayed on ourselves. Yeah, we sell fresh food, but who else is how else are people here going to get food? It gets us shins and it gets people safe. I don't see what the issue is or why our Malu. Why I don't I don't see why anyone in power would care about us. Well, you know, uh, there are any number of reasons. Uh, control over the food supply tends to be a pretty strong motivator to keep people in line. Yeah. I guess. So Armalu sent you? Don. <laughs> uh, so Don is working with Armalu. You are hired by Jetco, which is a private organization. Yeah. Well, you know, you know how those things go. When you go high enough, it all it's all the same thing. So, I mean, why did you settle here? I don't know. We were... Okay. Yeah, fine. I guess I'll explain our life story. So I am, I guess, the head of the Saracenians or whatever is left of us. We've been running for a while and we, we found a place where we, we, where we could be safe. We found uh, this and she points to the blue light that's on the cavern wall. She says this, uh, a type of light, a type of energy that, that is, is nearly infinite. And all we had to do was just hide in our part of the wall and and and, and take from it. And then this was how we were able to, to clean the food. So we stay here safe. We get the food for, for everyone else and, and they don't remember us. And, and, and then... Uh, uh, and then he can't find us. Who's he? I, it's not important. What's important is that we can't go anyplace else. This is where we're safe. This is where we're secure. And and this is supposed to be where nobody can find us. So I need to know how you knew we were here. Let's back it up here. There are certain, you know, the, the important thing when you're trying to negotiate is to investigate people, people's underlying assumptions. Who is this person or thing that you cannot hide from other than here? Fine. So there was a, uh, I'm not the first leader of the Saracenians. There were, there were two of us at the start. There were two of us who did all of this. His name is Roskin. He's looking for, I don't know, a way to make life, a way to make infinite life. And he thought making all of this would 
help him find the answer, and, and when it didn't, he wanted to burn his research to the ground, and so I, I took the rest of us, and, and we went, and and and, and he, he found us a few times, but we got away, and I don't, he's the only person who's ha- ever had an interest in us, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't know we were here, and to that, Don blurts out, I mean, what are you talking about? He's the one who hired them. No. Oh. Okay, so I figured out how we can solve this problem. I think I have an idea, too. <laughs> Does it involve Roskin dying? That's part of it, but it's got some others. <laughs> All right. Okay, so that's as, that's as far as I got. So uh, let, let's hear the rest of it. Well, you know, we, things have been kind of rough for the Amberclave lately, right? Yeah. Our headquarters currently isn't the best of shape, right? Yeah. So they need to stay here and be hidden, right? Yes. So why not move our headquarters to here? They can still cook food and stuff like that. But then, you know, we can say it's from the Amberclave. And then we still go hunt Roskind, but then kill Roskind. But then we have a better setup where we can guard them. You know, there's Glorina and the Sicilian, the Saracenians, you know, can stay protected and everything. And it might be a little bit of an upgrade from where we're currently headquartered. It sounds like uh, this could be a very beneficial partnership. Exactly. And we can hire Don here to do the paperwork. I am not allowed to be hired to other positions, so that will not uh, be... We'll pay you under the table. I'm pretty sure that's how I'm already paid anyway. Good, so you're used to it. Just think of it as another level of bureaucracy. (laughs) Come on, Don. I, I suppose you might have a point. And he starts to reach out his hand for an official handshake. And as he does, another explosion rocks the space. Uh, and he shoots his hand back down. And Glorina's like, wait, what's going on? What's going on? You don't, did you, like, do you have more? That wasn't us. Uh, and Don just pipes in. I suppose my paperwork finally went through. <laughs> um, and as that happens, you can hear the footsteps of two Gandarmi soldiers as they start searching the uh the area beneath you um so you are behind the door but they're they're searching trying to to find find this evil plant organization that so heinously does not follow food protocol hang tight we'll take care of this wait do you have any more of that stuff or those uh spores or that pollen five of them drop into your arms as you say that oh also there's um there's this and she is going to hand you three different ciphers. Um, so she's going to reach into the plants and she's going to pull three plant-based ciphers, which I'm going to create on the moment right here. So how ciphers work in the Quest Friends universe, I describe how they look and what they do. You get to extrapolate from that how you want to use them. <laughs> okay. She hands Corshin. Uh, to you, she hands the... Uh, the cauliflower, just a bunch of this cauliflower looking thing, which is called anther. And are you familiar with spud launchers or potato guns? Yes. She gives you a potato gun made out of potatoes. Wow, you know, that's some real uh, um, nose to tail (laughs) full full utilization there. That's definitely a tuber launcher. All right, so for for Jessamy. Uh-huh. I'm assuming it's a purple cauliflower for Jessamy. Yes, there's one purple cauliflower. You all get one cauliflower, yours is purple. But she actually reaches in to, uh, she, she pulls out this like knotted jar and into it she reaches into this light in the wall that was coursing in rivers, this harsh blue light, and she pulls it out and she bottles it. And she hands it to you and she's like, all right, this is nearly infinite energy. Please use it outside of the door. 
And then finally, for you, Mako, she's like, uh, I don't, I don't have anything else. And she reaches around one of her arms and she pulls off a armband that has a single rose on it. And she hands it to you. Okay. I love it so much. Uh, and she says, I, I cannot thank you enough. And there's another explosion, but we will talk about what we do after, after this. Uh, and then do you all just march out? Oh yeah. All right, you all march out, and I'm going to say that when you march out, you hear the Gendarmi soldiers moving around. Just so you know, they're wearing the same gear that Don is wearing. Can I can I do something more for flavor than anything, I think, mechanically? Go ahead. So whenever we walk out uh, of the doors and shut the doors behind us, uh, Mako's going to take a canteen of water that he has, and he's going to coat the door. Uh, in the water and I have an artifact called polar touch that freezes normally on an attack. It would freeze a creature solid if they're in the water, but I want to use it to encase the door and ice as another barrier in case something were to happen to us. So maybe it buys time for Glorina and them to escape that area if they could. Okay. I love it. Yeah. The ice goes up and it locks everyone in and you hear some murmuring and you just hear Glorina like shh, 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 trying to shush uh, everyone in in the other room. All right, let's see who's making them explosions. <laughs> so you're gonna just charge out? Well, uh, as we as we are leaving the room, I I murmur, "Why don't we play this like they're already gone?" All right, seems good enough to me. I am. Uh, I will go uh, down there and lie through my teeth. All right. If I don't come back, avenge my death. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the top of my checklist. The steps creak as you walk down, and I need you to roll speed defense as you get down to the bottom step. Okay, I will burn effort on that. Uh, that would be a level five success. All right, you just barely get it. So as you hit down, you hear a whip and a chain, uh, the end of like a, um, what am I thinking? A grappling hook clangs into the side against you and whips back into one of the uh, arms of the Gendarmi soldier. Because uh, you see now that their vests uh, essentially let them shoot out grappling hooks like Spider-Man. Uh, so it goes back into their vest and they just kind of look at you and they're like, uh, you're not a plant. No, no, I am not a plant. Uh, so let me guess, you're the sergeant. Uh, I am, yes, I am the sergeant. And the other one turns over and says, says, Valentine, you're not the sergeant. You started yesterday, day like me. Yes, I am the sergeant of the two of us. Valentine pipes up. All right. Well, in that case, then you really should know that uh, you, you really need to be exercising better fire discipline because, well, this place could literally catch fire. Well, uh, yes, uh, I, I under, um, yes, I understand that. But, you know, we have very dangerous criminals we have to catch. Uh, you know, I don't really think they're that bad. They just, I mean, they're plants. Plants can't move that much. Very dangerous plants, though. Uh, so uh, I would, uh, uh, you don't look like a plant to me, but so you can you can be on on your way. We have a taken care of from here well you see we we were uh, contracted to take care of the same problem and well you saw from the uh, door there that we already uh, effected a uh, tactical entry into this uh, building and cleared it of all hostile presence uh, it turns out that the themes behind this uh, uh, dastardly conspiracy to sell unlicensed food products uh, fled in the night all right, give me a roll to convince that. He's going to look at you like, ah, oh, oh. 
Oh, those unlicensed mm. food oh. products are the worst. <laughs> Welcome to Charmande. Uh, I am putting two levels of effort into that. Because, yes. Uh, so, let's see. I rolled an 11 with training and two levels of effort would be a level six success. Uh, the soldier looks at you uh, and he says, Uh, uh, well, that, uh, you seem very official to me. That seems properly right. And the other one's like, but what, what about the, what about the paperwork? Did you, did you fill out the, uh, and it's GM intrusion time. So you want to give your other point to, uh, I got to give you a point to refuse the intrusion. Ooh, he's going to be like, Oh, but, uh, what, what about the, uh, what about, I'm the- going to provide the paperwork that I had Don fill out on before I went down here. Uh, and he looks at the paperwork that you get, that you give him that you apparently that you took from Don. Uh, and he looks at it and it is not filled out properly at all. Don did not have nearly enough time, but it is his first day. And he's like, yes, yes. No, I, I, I see you, uh, <laughs> prayed to the scrap. You, uh, got the spit of the moonlight dancer. Uh, and it looks like you went directly to the forlorn district, uh, for the university's opinion. This, uh, th- this, this does seem, uh, I keep on losing his voice. I'm just doing done. Uh, th- this does seem like, uh, accurate paperwork to me. I do. I, I think that is, that is correct. We will, uh, be on our way. And, uh, the two of them walk off, uh, and they high five each other for a job well done as they leave. Nice. After it looks like they're gone, I come down the stairs to meet Corshin. I'm going to replace the sign out the, out front and uh, hand letter a sign that says <laughs> the Ember Place. That's a good good thing to do. With that, we fade out and we start to flash forward. Uh, we start to see visions of what the future would look like. The Ember Clave coming in, them forming bonds. Don just standing there. He ended up not taking the deal because like he almost got caught when he tried to take it. He didn't want to be that risky. Uh, we see all these futures and then they shatter in an earthquake. And you feel a rumbling around you. Uh, and I'm going to say, if it's all right, that you've caught, you've met up with Glorina at this point. Like maybe you're trying to clean up the area. Yep. And you hear an earthquake and we are back in the present day. We we are maybe five minutes after that confrontation with the Gendarmi soldiers. Uh, and you just hear Glorina say that doesn't happen normally. Well, no, anywhere where that happened normally, I, I would, you know, want to leave and not stay there. You said Roskind was here, right? You said Roskind paid you. I don't think payment was never mentioned. <laughs> you know, who negotiated this deal? <laughs> J- Jessamy did it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she says, no, but, but Roskind hired you. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. He can finish the cradle. He he can finish the cradle. What is... But he, no, he wouldn't have the resources to get to get there. He's he's you're not making sense. You're speaking in riddles. The, the cradle, the cradle. Roskind wanted to make something called the cradle it would grant him immortality. If he had access to this, to this light. And she points back to that blue light in the caverns. This is all throughout Charmande. Charmande is built on a bed of energy it doesn't use. If he could get to it, he could finish this thing that he uses for his eternal life or whatever nonsense he calls it. That's that's got to be why he knows we're here. If if so, is Ruskind like you all? Can he feed off the light the way that y'all do? He to a degree. Yes, he was. We were the more extreme versions of his interpretation. He can feed off of the light. But even if he couldn't, that is that is an endless bed of energy. If 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 he accidentally overcharged that, that could be disaster for all of Charmande. Doesn't matter how nicely we have things built up here. It may be an endless bed of energy, but wait a minute. Why don't we just find some way to channel it? Even if 
he's siphoning off some to power his works even if it's not as much as y'all it's still there's a loss somewhere in the chain of energy you're trying if you're, you're talking about figuring out where yeah if we can figure out where he's drawing from we'll know where he's at and as mako says that jessamy who apparently negotiated the agreement is remembering some of the fine text uh they've been working to fix the Radiant District, the giant Rube Goldberg machine, has not been functioning up to par. It has been sluggish and has been slow. Jetco has set up a base there to help fix this machine that supposedly hasn't been operating at its full capacity. Okay. If this machine is operating at its full capacity, what does that change for the city? Nothing good, I'm assuming. It doesn't make a difference, but if Mako is right and that energy would have to come from something else... That's why it's not functioning. All right. Uh, I, I, I briefly, because we're, we're in a, a high stress situation and we have to go quickly, summarize the fine print of the contract that I obviously read, but did not share with the rest of the party. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I know where he's pulling that power from, Mako. Where's that at? From, from, from this district. What's the name of the district again? I'm sorry. Radiance District. The Radiance District. You know what? That makes sense. It's got that goofy machine that's never worked in like forever. If they got that thing up and running, that would pull quite a bit of this energy, even though it's limitless. It's still it would be quite a draw. That makes sense that he might have uh, holed up there somewhere. How big is the uh, this machine? It is the size of an entire district. So imagine a fourth of a big old hill. All right. Well, well, Don, how much more paperwork for some more explosions in the Radiance District? Um, honestly, this is I did my job. I found the uh, I found the plot. I found the culprits. I hired the individuals to find them and the individuals seem to believe that the situation is taken care of. So, so far as I am concerned, the situation is resolved. Oh, Don. And with that, Don walks up, turns to you, says, I would say it's a pleasure, but eh. And with that, he walks out of the location and out of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I love that Don's last line is eh. He's the real hero. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It looks like we're going to the Radiance District. Uh, I think so. So and as that happens, you hear a slam as the door behind locking all the things shuts. And you turn over and you see decked out, I'm going to say it's leather now, in a leather jacket and leather overalls, and with all eight of her uh, octopus plant legs holding plant guns. Gloriana just says, cool, let's go. Welcome to the announcement break for What If, featuring the Amber Clave Part 2. I am Kyle, your GM, and today I wanted to let you know that our intro and outro song are Friends and Itoshio, both by Miracle of Sound. But in addition to that, I want to talk a little bit about the Amber Clave and a little bit about Quest Friends. So, the Amber Clave. 
I've talked about them a lot in the previous episode, but again, it's another Numenera podcast. It stars the three protagonists you see in this game, but in a different interpretation of the ninth world. One that features a lot more water. They just finished the Waterworld season, my term not theirs, and starting two weeks today, they're going to start a brand new season that does not take place in the ocean, but I don't want to say any spoilers, but as is to be expected with Numenera, shit gets weird in the most wonderful of ways. And in fact, if you listen to that first arc, you'll get a pretty strong idea from where these episodes came from, as these are largely an interpretation from a few episode arc that they had. It's got Glorina, it's got Roskind, but instead of being in this bureaucratic weird space of Charmande, the Submergine is an actual submarine city, Glorina is just a good old-fashioned half-octopus lady, and they supplement this story's kind of dark tone with just a whole lot of romantic shipping. But let's say you came here because you already know what the Amberclave is, but you don't know what Quest Friends is. Well, Quest Friends is another Numenera actual play podcast. It stars four characters who you can find doing a similar adventure on the Amberclave. Right now, they have a version with our characters over there. It takes place in a version of the Ninth World that is populated both by heavily reinterpreted locations from the core book, such as Charmande, which looks entirely different in this game than it does in the core rulebook, and completely original locations, such as Ruletia, which is Disneyland, crossed with Las Vegas, crossed with bad. If you've been enjoying our location of Charmande, you can check out the Clockwork City arc, which takes place entirely in the city. Otherwise, this upcoming Monday or Tuesday, we're going to have a summary of the show so far, and then you can just get started right with the new episodes. One last thing I want to take care of before we finish, I pulled a name from the name pool for this episode. It's a pool of names featuring anyone who's tweeted or tumblered out about the show using the hashtag QuestFriends, and I use it for characters, places, items, etc, etc. Today's character from the name pool is Sergeant Valentine, named for MJ underscore Valentine on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much for tweeting and continuously tweeting about the show. Uh, hearing your feedback is just, it's its really great to know that people are enjoying the show, and I hope you uh, enjoyed your little role in it. All right, that's all I got for you today. Again, if you've enjoyed this, be sure to check out the amberclave.com for their What If Scenario featuring our protagonists. And then be sure to come back in a week for our summary episode on Monday or Tuesday, April 22nd or 23rd. I'll see you then. Okay, you, well, you, she's obviously got this. I'm, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> Let's just sit back. Let's hang out while she's got it taken care of. I, I don't want to get in her way, personally. Yeah. No. <laughs> you make your way up to the Radiance District, and it looks like a giant Rube Goldmer machine. Like, you see a giant pair of scissors that will drop 
and cut a wire and then a couple like five different bowling balls will go and they'll hit ink which will spill out and spell the news of the day you've got a ten thousand monkeys on ten thousand typewriters uh typing out what they want to say there's uh, a minefield but it's all mouse traps and one rat trap and you you make your way to the district do you want to do anything on your way to what is the final confrontation uh, I want to uh, modify uh, some of these uh, projectile rounds to accept the um, uh, cauliflower for my artifact weapon. Okay. Yeah. No, it is. What modifications do you make so it can shoot cauliflower? Um, basically, uh, the uh, there's a there's a, an explosive warhead on these things usually, and uh, I just uh, remove that and uh, pour the. Uh, uh, the pollen in its place and uh, leave the, uh, the, the primer charge at the bottom to, uh, to spray it when it impacts the target, target zone. Okay. You now have glimmer bombs. <laughs> oh. Congratulations. Uh, and then I will write, uh, forget me not in, uh, on the side of the tube. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Do we do anything else? No, I have to make recovery rolls. <laughs> quite a few of them make those recovery rolls uh, I stare longingly at the Susky district as we scamper by you look at it you see so much it's it's so silent as if the calm before a storm a storm that would last exactly 11 episodes <laughs> that are about 40 minutes long a piece almost I don't know what's there, but I feel like there's some... <laughs> I think Mako will be looking at the uh, the armband that he has, just trying to, you know, kind of figure out its its whole thing, and then, because I have an idea in my head what I might use it for, so I'm not going to say what it is just yet. Okay. Um, but he kind of, you know, looks at it and everything, and then he kind of gets almost like the kind of sadistic smile that Corshin gets when he finds a new explosive. Uh, and then, then he'll kind of look at Glorina and wink and then uh, keep walking. <laughs> I just want to clarify, as someone who has played many games with Acer for several years now, that that facial expression is not Corshin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't want to tell too much about Acer, but okay. <laughs> I'm going to blow something up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it. I say it with love. All right. So we got the recovery goals taken care of. We've got the uh, we've got the wink, which was returned, although not well. I mean, she normally talks to plant animals, so winking is not something uh, Glorina is practiced in. So it looked more like a blink, <laughs> but the intent was there. <laughs> All right. So you make your way through the district and you start to notice that some of the things, uh, some of the things of the Rube Goldberg machine have been taped into place. And you realize that's because they're vibrating, because as you're getting closer to your destination, you can tell because there are more explosions. Uh, and as you make your way you see there are a series of wires that aren't connected to the uh, machine as a whole. They're kind of separate. They look like telephone wires. And as you go, you see a handful of robotic vultures with green ooze coming out of their mouths, setting themselves down uh, on the wires and watching you. And eventually you follow the light. Because as the shimmering, as the like pounding gets stronger, you start to see a fountain of harsh blue light spilling out from a hole at the edge of the uh, at the edge of one of the walls, a much more open area. You, uh, it's still kind of almost in the center. It's in the center of the of the machine, so it was hard to see at first because the machine was blocking it. 
and there were uh, impromptu like machines for construction conveniently set up so people couldn't see the light. But as you round the corner behind a giant bowling ball that is used as one part of it, you see a man standing above what looks like a, uh, a cradle made out of wood, a large human-sized cradle, which is hanging over this pit of light. And the man is standing there, and he has two basically Doc Ock robotic arms that are covered in plants, um, and they actually flower out, the, the fingers flower out like the spokes of a, uh, of a flower. Um, so they're like eight fingers for each hand that are kind of planting as he's getting things uh, together, and there's lots of vibration as he like tunnels into the earth even more with some machinery. Can I get a range estimate on that cradle? That cradle? That cradle is probably a short distance away from you. And he, this this man with a baby face, is there as well. Because the one last thing about Roskin, which met, lets you know that he's searching for immortality, is in the Amber Clave, he is described as the, um, he's described as, because I just listened to this, as, what is it, butter spread over too much bread? <laughs> in Quest Friends, he looks like a baby face. But not any baby face. You know, like the babies that look like really old men and you can't tell if they're a baby or a really, really old man. That's what he <laughs> looks like. He is a baby old man. Wow. Oh, man. And his eyes glimmer with glee with uh, green sparkles because he has photosynthesis inside of him. All right. Um, has he seen us? He has not seen you. He is busy working on the cradle. Yeah, he's busy working on the cradle and it looks like he's doing some drilling because you can see the light kind of shimmer a little bit as he seems to be trying to drill in even deeper and access some more of it. All right, uh, Jessamy, I've got an idea. Okay. Uh, you take this spud gun and like on it. three, you shoot him in the face. You know this is either going to go great or really, really bad. I'm counting on it. I say as I load an explosive charge and I'm going to point it toward the cradle. I take the spud gun and I aim it and I wait for the count. All right. Caution, Glorina. This is the yeah. this is the whole reason why surprise rounds are so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. What did I just say? Uh, everybody got some sort of ranged thing to make his life miserable already. Glorina has six plant guns raised because I didn't write what she had. So now they're plant guns. <laughs> So we got the spud gun, the plant guns, not the spud gun. We've got the rocket launcher, the forget me not. We've got the plant guns. What are the other things that we have? Just so I know what everyone's doing. I think right now I'm just going to have an onslaught attack ready. Well, I'm firing. Okay, everyone do their rolls. And I sometimes have NPCs roll because I think that's more fun than just automatically winning or losing. I got a 19. I got an 18. 18. 16. Okay, so we are going to ruin Roskin's day. <laughs> Everybody's going to ruin his day. So the first thing I need to know is just everybody, we're just going to go in order and we're going to, you need to let me know, are you targeting the cradle or are you targeting Roskind? Well, technically I targeted both because it's impact point and immediate range of anything within that point. <laughs> okay, so Acer's going to hit both of them. Caution, let's, let's have you kick it off. What is the first thing that this poor, poor man sees? Um, uh, all of a sudden he sees uh, at about short range, uh, someone uh, stand up with a huge metal tube and bring it up to his shoulder, elevated about, you know, uh, 45 degrees. And there's just this little igniter flash. And then this thing just goes blasting toward him and uh, lands right in the middle of the cradle and then just sits there, like, hits it. And then it's just sort of like spins like a top for a second as the uh, igniter fuse uh 
winds down and then uh, blows up. All right. It explodes. And you see one of the arms holding the cradle, just not one of his, uh, but one of like the arm, the like poles holding the cradle just explodes and the thing hits the ground and he just like blocks his face and he says, what? Uh, And as he says what, he's pelted by eight different like seed bullets that just hit him and then bloom into beautiful flowers on his face uh, as he gets pelted by Glorina. And then, and then what happens next? Well, my directions were to aim at his face. So I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming it's easier now because there, you know, there's flowers like hit me. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's me. he's he brushes the flowers out of his face as he sees the next attack happen on him. Right, and it's going to his face, and it's the spud gun. And that did you get it? Were you the one with the 19? Was it Len? Who got? It? I had a 19. I had an 18. Okay. So okay, so it does do some extra damage. Yeah. All right, so he gets hit in the space with a spud gun, and it just poof. It looks like a firework, but it's all glittery because it's cauliflower. This is the prettiest attack. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, no, it's it's beautiful. I love it. It's the prettiest murder ever. <laughs> uh, so then it, it gets in his eyes and he starts to wipe it out. And he looks and he's like, oh, Glorina, nice to see you. Uh, and then he gets hit by Mako's attack. Mako, what? <laughs> Uh, pretty much it. Before before even, I think, gets out the uh, nice to sit. He gets interrupted with uh, an onslaught. So it's basically a bunch of ice crystals and stuff being shot towards his face. So it just hits him in the face and one large, particularly like hail piece knocks him in the head. And it's like, you know, in the fighting game where you get a KO and someone's just like KO and they just like slowly fall. <laughs> And they hit the ground. And then after a few moments of sitting there, the two arms raise up and you hear a you hear an alarm that's like a baby cry. And you see the vultures from earlier, about seven of them go and they're going to attack as a swarm. Seven of them go and they surround you. And it's time for us to roll initiative. Oh, my goodness. I got a 16. I got a 12. Nine. Uh, and then let me go for... My onslaught did seven damage. Yeah, no, this boy is basically dead. I okay. just had to res him so you could have an actual fight. <laughs> 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 um, we do that to a lot of uh, boss fights. All right, and the NPCs are going to be back to back. So, all right, Mako, you get a turn before everybody else. You've got uh, this flock of what are called venom vultures. Uh, and then you have this baby man on the ground uh and you can see that his arm has hit the ground and it looks like he's trying to drag himself back to the cradle uh i think i'm gonna go ahead and use bracelet okay uh what i had i in my head is to throw the armband at the uh cradle which is using the liquid to possibly feed off its energy so i'm gonna throw the armband which is going to kind of explode into this rose bush uh because it is a rose on the armband and the plant is now going to start feeding off the light and pull the power away from the cradle so that he can't operate the cradle the way he wants i really like that so you go on and you the plant goes and it starts sucking and for a brief actually no like in my head i envision it it just keeps kind of slowly growing until it reaches a certain point and then just stops or something but 
yeah, no, the plant is the plant is growing and you can see it start to actually move a little bit like to deliberately wrap around and grab the light. And the cradle is not operational. You have nullified it. And at that, you're going to hear the uh, what is it? Roskind is going to turn around and you're going to hear. No, just just give me a second. I will defeat you. And he's using his arms to try and get, get himself back up again. He's like, just wait one one second. I'm. And so he's going to spend his turn trying to get back up. But in the meanwhile, you hear a screech and a bang and you see two of the vultures fall down at your feet as Glorina has trying to shoot them as they run towards you. But that was only two of them that were knocked down and the other five are going straight at your face. So I need you to roll uh, some kind of defense. Okay. Uh, 11 uh, is probably not going to be the greatest. <laughs> okay, so uh, two things. First, uh, take three points of damage before armor. Okay, that's not called by any chance, is it? <laughs> it is It is not. Okay. <laughs> it is very poisonous and very acidic. Landon, Mako, I have a question for you. Okay. What's your least, least favorite pool? Uh... Might. Cool. You can't use my effort for the remainder of this episode. Okay. As this numbing agent gets inside your veins and like seizes it up and you just don't feel as strong as you normally do. Not that uh, I was that strong again. But... <laughs> that is going to be their turn. It is now to Jessamy. Okay. I guess I'm going to turn the spud gun to one of these vultures and try to hit it. Uh, does that spud gun have a radius to it? I don't know. It was a, it was just handed to me. You can choose or we can decide in the moment. Let's decide in the moment. All right, let's take that shot. I rolled another 18. Nice. I, I need to drink more often. Yeah, I'm going to say the spud gun is a heavy weapon, so it's automatically going to do eight points of damage with that 18. What do you what do you want it to look like? Well, I would assume that it would just be another spray of glitter, but maybe a different color glitter. Okay. So maybe some green glitter. Ooh, it's green. I like that. It's green and it's purple. It knows its plant roots, but it also knows the person who's using it. It's a very personalized spud gun. <laughs> this is the most beautiful battle. And it gets inside the vultures gears and they're like, ah, ah, and they fall down uh, onto the ground. They do not fall into the blue light because we don't have time for a phase two of the boss battle. But I want to let you know, I am cruel enough to do that. Hmm. All right, Corshin, it is your turn. You've got, I'm going to say you got two vultures left. One of them isn't looking so hot. And then um, you have Roskind, who's trying to get up. Well, you know, I, I take personal affront at Roskind, having uh, tried to lowball us on this contract that I'm now seeing for, for the first time. <laughs> and, you know, we have overhead, damn it. <laughs> Who put Jessie in charge of the contracts? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> She's not um, even, she doesn't even go here. I'm going to try to finish him off and, uh, you know, just ease a, he's down on the ground. So I'm going to crank the elevation down a little and say bad baby man thing and uh, crank off another shot. All right. Give me a roll to hit this, this baby man thing. Uh, 15 training and effort. This boy gets launched back a few feet, and the only reason he doesn't hit the ground is because his uh, arms dig in and they entrench himself into the ground. And he is, I would say, maybe conveniently two hits away from dead so he can do something before this episode <laughs> is over. But he is entrenched on the ground and he is very upset and he is about to throw a very bad temper tantrum. Mako, it is your turn. <sighs> 
end him. How far? How far away is he from me? Uh, did you all run up at all, or you were? Are you still a short distance away? I'd probably say I'm at least maybe a short distance away because it would have been at least a distance away to do the onslaught and then throw that armband. So uh, I think I'm going to use uh, my shatter wand that I have. Okay, how does that work? And how do you all have so many items? Talk to Megan. (laughs) Uh, 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 Well, uh, some of us have abilities that let us find extra stuff, too. So. So my shatter wand is a level six artifact. The weapon crystallizes flesh working at long range with no visible manifestation. It inflicts damage equal to its level. If the target is slain, they explode into crystalline shrapnel, dealing three points of damage. I mean, it sounds like it was made for this fight. I am going to uh, give uh, Roskin the look and been like, I think you're on the kind of the wrong end of this deal. And you're just you're a horrible man child thing and hit the button on this shatter wand. And that is a 16. Hey, 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 Mako, how do you defeat Roskin? So whenever I hit this shatter wand and look at him, you don't really see a projectile or anything go towards him. But if the camera, like if this is where a film were to zoom in, you'd slowly start seeing the exterior of his body crystallize into different patterns and everything. And for flavor, it's ice crystalline looking uh, until he freezes solid. And then since he's uh, destroyed, once he freezes entirely, his body explodes. The shattering explodes and all of you are shielded by it. And, and as it hits, you see it hit the other a wire of the cradle and that and the rose bush fall down into the pit below as do uh, and, and both of um, Roskin's arms, his two Doc Ock arms spiral out onto the ground beneath your feet as do the two venom vultures, which screech as they get hit and they're like, Bah-k-k-k! and they hit the ground. But that vibration also hits the wires that were holding the uh, bits of the Rube Goldberg machine in place. Uh oh. And suddenly you hear a fong as a giant hammer hits a symbol and you like see a bowling ball from behind you. It slides out from behind you and starts going down a ramp. Scissors in the distance come down and start cutting. The monkeys start going and they start screeching and they start hammering away at the typewriters and ink spills everywhere. And above you, you see one giant anvil. And you see a handful of uh, what are called tree tines. These little marsupials go and they start chewing at the rope that's holding it above you. And it's about to drop on all your heads. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, We need to get out of here. Yeah, I think it's time to go. I'm not going to make you roll, but do you want to describe how cool does it look as you jump out from this anvil as it's about to crush you? Well, I'm assuming Glorina is leading the way in her leather jacket. Oh, she absolutely is. The leather jacket, she pops up the call. She pops up the collar and is like, all right, let's go. And she runs and she just speeds away. She looks like she's swimming in the air. Uh, She's not, but she's that graceful. Uh, And you all run away and like it drops and somehow the anvil explodes as you walk out in slow motion and rock music plays. And it's just like, and you just hear the what if featuring the Amber Clave as you walk away like badasses. <laughs> it's part of the Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. I love it.
it because I don't think any of us would describe our they're not as badasses. Yeah, just adequate. Yeah, I was gonna say like I think if anything, like Mako would try to be like you know running to escape the anvil, but what actually happens is somewhere he slips on something and it's like Lorena happens to look back and has to whip a tentacle back and like <laughs> sling Mako sling Mako forward before he gets crushed to death. Slings you forward you're now just in her arms as she yeah. like carries you. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and then you stop and in the silence uh, you look back and you just hear some like you just hear the fire crackling and she looks around and she's like well uh, thanks a lot, everyone. Uh, it was like that when we got here. <laughs> <laughs> and as you say that, you hear a voice behind you say, perfect. You already know how to express the story. And as you look around you, you suddenly see that you're surrounded by dozens of Gendarmi soldiers. And uh, you actually see two of the arms, which are still there. The, the two arms look like they're going to go and grab you. They like would le- reach out to grab you and then suddenly they like stop and they knot themselves together and they fall back onto the ground. Uh, and you turn around and you see a woman who is stroking one of her hands uh, and she is wearing tall heels and she has a clipboard under one of her arms. Uh, and she walks up and she says, I, I wanted to thank you so much for uh, taking care of this situation. Queen Armalu will look past it. This was absolutely broken when you got here, but we appreciate that you found it for us. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, no, no problem whatsoever. It's what we specialize in, finding the broken things. Of course. And you were the Amber Clave, correct? Uh, yes. Uh, we need to do apply for a rezoning permit. You know, I don't think, uh, and she looks down and she starts writing on her clipboard. You know, I think I'll put in a good, good word with the queen. I don't think you'll have to, to rewrite that permit. I think you'll be fine perfectly perfectly where you are and you should not hear any any problems from anybody and i suppose they won't hear anything from you as well i think this will be a nice uh a nice little bow on the whole night's affairs i heard you weren't probably going to be paid by jetco for that so the queen will reimburse you and um we'll take care of anything that you need well thank you very much we're uh happy to be of service to the queen Jetco was going to pay us a lot of money. Uh, Jessamy tosses the contract into the fire. (laughs) (laughs) And she looks at you and she sits there and pauses for a second. And she says, yes, of course, they were going to pay you a handsome sum. And Queen Aramalu will make sure that is taken care of so that you don't have to worry about this night ever again. Feel free to reach out to me if you need uh, anything. And she's going to hand you a card and you are going to see uh, right underneath the symbol of a uh, of a clock with its gears clearly visible, the name of Vera Leani. All right, so um, let's talk about what we did. So again, thank you for doing this what if scenario, not canon to the Amber Clave, very canon the quest friends. Oops, and all the bad things that happened, they're there, they stayed. Uh, but thanks so much for, for playing. Again, I am Kyle. 
I run Quest Friends. We're, you're on our feed right now. You don't need to know anything more about us. If you liked what I did, then check this out. If you listen to us, check out the Amber Clave, which you'll figure out how to find it when everyone goes through goes through who they are and how you can find them and also how you can find the Amber Clave. I'd explain it, but I think you can do it better than me. So uh, I will just hand it over to you. All right. So this is Acer. I was playing Corshin Lambro. A, let's see. Uh, impulsive, uh, stealthy glint who devotes everything to the cause. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Acer underscore Tolentino. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Amber Clave. The uh, podcast has just finished its first season and uh, is uh, most of the way through recording the second season. So uh, we hope you would check that out. Um, Megan and I are also and Landon and Shauna are also on the Redacted Files podcast, which is at TRF podcast on Twitter. Yeah, the Amber Clave. The uh, first season is in uh, Underwater and the second season is I know you spent a lot of time in Kai, which our listeners will know as key because I got the name wrong and I'm sticking with it. Uh. (laughs) I mean, things change. Things change in a couple hundred years. Internal consistency is what matters. Awesome. Anything else uh, you want to pitch about yourselves or uh, any any other place that people can find you uh, when they're not listening to the Amber Clave? Oh, hey, well, you can. This is Shauna. I've been playing Jessamy Gray. You can find me on Twitter at call me Shauna. Feel free to harass me about my dice rolls, although they were much better here than they are on the Amber Clave <laughs> usually. So you're <laughs> welcome. It balances out. We just have to tell you you're guesting on someone else's show every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it takes. That could work. Although our our bad dice roller, her luck did transfer over to your crossover episodes. So ah, <laughs> yes! we are sisters. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and I'm Landon. I've been playing Mako, the perceptive mutant nano who wears a sheen of ice. You can find me on Twitter at solemn underscore Lyrian. All right. Thanks so much. And again, I am Kyle. I am on Quest Friends. Stay on this feed and you, you found us. But yeah, download all of us, download the Amber Clay, but do that after we are closing because every Quest Friends episode ends with a cliffhanger. Um, it's a few days later. The Amber Clave has set up. They have happily uh, set up their new digs. There is a new door. It is now very, very explosion resistant. <laughs> uh, in fact, they asked Caution to help ensure that it was explosion resistant. You were able to, uh, you're, you're still kind of doing things under under the table a little bit, but people are getting fresh food, which is honestly, honestly something that's in short supply. And anyone who can remember, remember, Caution makes sure that they no, they need to forget. Uh, is there anything that you want to like have done, or anything special that has happened in this in this uh, couple of days that you have have reset yourself up? Uh, make sure we're on good terms with all the gendarmerie uh, uh, personnel who uh, patrol this district. Okay, you're on as good as terms as you can. Honestly, no, because the two guys, those two new guys that uh, that Corshin had met, they're really impressed with you, uh, and, and they just love you. Like they're they're the new leaders of this district, and it was specifically because they got all the credit for catching those plant guys, so they, they <laughs> love you. Yeah, so I will impress them with my previous experience as a town guard, and I know I know all of the uh, great uh, tricks for uh, malingering and doing uh, as little work as possible. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about Jessamy and uh, and Mako? Are you up to anything special in these next couple week, next couple days? Yeah, I'm trying to get Don just to open up and really embrace his feelings. <laughs> uh, you call Don. You try to get him to open up a few times. He does. He does tell you a few new things. You learn his middle and his last name. Knowledge no other human has ever and will ever learn, including his parents. <laughs> but after uh, it, it turns out after about uh, a, a short while. 
because I don't remember how long it takes for the Quest Friends characters to appear here. But after a, a short while, he is he is carried up by a bit of an adventure and you don't you don't hear from him for a while until a few weeks later. You find out he's working on a caravan uh, and, and he seems to be a lot better since he since he quit his job. Oh, and I also just because I want to make things fun for your players I give Don the jar of infinite energy. Don has a jar of infinite energy. I will have to let me note this quick. <laughs> I kept looking for something to attach it to. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I can put it in a place where where the other players will get to. <laughs> <laughs> so Don has a small glowing jar. We'll see if that comes up again. It's literally the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> All right. And then Mako, we started with you looking uh, dramatically into the distance. It feels only appropriate to end with you. So what 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 is your kind of epilogue to this little adventure? Uh, let's see. I think there's two things. I think the main thing Mako is going to do is he will find some artisan to make a armband to replace the one that he used to give back to Glorina, but instead of it being a rose, it's going to be a shark that's on it. And basically be like Glorina to replace the one I lost or used and kind of stammer, you know, all as blushed as a shark man can get. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, she looks at, yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, actually it, it was, it, uh, so the one I gave you is actually a, uh, you know, it's great. I, I, you know, I like it. No, it's, it's, uh, as she is stammering, she realizes that she was about to correct you that it was a rose. And then she, she realized that, oh no, he might think I don't like it. So she just takes it and she just sits there and like awkwardly fiddles with the shark. <laughs> so that is the one thing. What is your other thing? I, I think the other thing is just going to be, you know, Mako studying kind of the, the whole energy thing around this area, because at least in Mako's head, infinite energy seems too good. Like there's something that's creating it. It can't just be coming from nothing kind of a thing. Yeah. So let's say maybe you and Glorina, you you go out and um, we're going to end with a scene of of you right by this anvil. Uh, where the the old robotic arms of 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 this man of Roskind were. You're sitting there. Jessamy is making some new deals, some new contracts. Corshin is is running surveillance, and you two, uh, you and Glorina, are sitting there. Uh, she's got the shark armband on, uh, and she has made you a new rose one. Uh, and you're sitting there, and you're f uh, uh, understanding the science. Uh, and and we follow this thing you're using, and we go down the glimmering blue hole, and we go down. And, and we are covered with light as we go deeper and deeper and deeper. And then we sit down and we see the cradle and this red plant sitting inside of it, this rose bush. And we see them uh, on a gear, a giant gear of a clock. And inside of it, we see gears of, of many other clocks. Uh, and they're just rotating slowly and slowly, you know, just bit by bit, like a clock, like tick, tick, tick. And the ticking goes faster and faster to show the passage of time. And we see multiple scientists uh, in, in various outfits going on, doing some research. Uh, we see uh, them going back and forth. We see a scuffle between a Gendarmi soldier, a uh, android with a long purple scarf, and a short woman brandishing a folding chair and a red hat with three candles in it. And then shortly after that, we see the clocks go faster and faster, and we see an explosion of the blue light, and then we see it disappear. And in the darkness, after a few moments of silence, 
the uh, we hear the rose bush, which has grown bigger and bigger uh, and taken on various features over this uh, passage of time. We see that we hear the rose bush move around and we hear it scrape and we hear almost a stomach growl and we just hear it go, mm, feed me. Uh, someone else's problem. 